Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we're reading Mark 10, verses 46 to 52, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Mark. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go on your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of the Lord. We read in these verses an account of one of our Lord's miracles. Let us see in it, as we read, a vivid emblem of spiritual things. We are not studying a history which concerns us personally no more than the exploits of Caesar or Alexander. We have before us a picture which ought to be deeply interesting to the soul of every Christian. In the first place, we have here an example of strong faith. We are told that as Jesus went out of Jericho, a blind man named Bartimaeus sat by the wayside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus was blind in body, but not in soul. The eyes of his understanding were open. He saw things which Annas and Caiaphas and hosts of letter-learned scribes and Pharisees never saw at all. He saw that Jesus of Nazareth as our Lord was contemptuously called, Jesus, who had lived thirty years in obscure Galilean village, this very Jesus was the son of David, the Messiah of whom the prophets had prophesied long ago. He had witnessed none of our Lord's mighty miracles. He had not had the opportunity to be holding dead people raised with a word and lepers healed by a touch. Of all these privileges, his blindness totally deprived him. But he had heard the report of our Lord's mighty works, and hearing, had believed. He was satisfied from mere hearsay that he of whom such wonderful things were reported must be the promised Savior and must be able to heal him. And so when our Lord drew near, he cried, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Let us strive and pray that we may have precious faith like this. Like Bartimaeus, we are not allowed to see Jesus with our bodily eyes, but we have the report of his power and grace and willingness to save in the gospel. We have exceeding great promises from his own lips written down for our encouragement. Let us trust those promises implicitly and commit our souls to Christ unhesitatingly. Let us not be afraid to repose all our confidence on his own gracious words and to believe that what he has engaged to do for sinners, he will surely perform. What is the beginning of all saving faith 
but a soul's venture on Christ? What is the life of saving faith, when once begun, but a continual leaning on an unseen Savior's word? What is the first step of a Christian, but a crying, like Bartimaeus, Jesus, have mercy on me? What is the daily course of a Christian, but keeping up the same spirit of faith? Though now we see him not, yet believing, we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. 1 Peter 1.8 We have in the second place in these verses an example of determined perseverance in the face of difficulties. We are told that when Bartimaeus began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, he met with little encouragement from those who were near him. On the contrary, many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he was not to be stopped. If others did not know the misery of blindness, he did. If others did not think it worthwhile to take such trouble in order to obtain relief, he, at any rate, knew better. He cared not for the rebukes of unfeeling bystanders. He heeded not the ridicule which his inopportunity probably brought to him. He cried out all the more. And so crying obtained his heart's desire and received his sight. Let all who wish to be saved mark well this conduct of Bartimaeus and walk diligently in his steps. Like him, we must care nothing for what others think or say of us when we seek the healing of our souls. There never will be lacking people who will tell us that it is too soon or too late, that we are going too fast or too far, that we need not pray so much or read our Bibles so much or be so anxious about salvation. We must give no heed to such people. Like Bartimaeus, we must cry the more, Jesus, have mercy on me. What is the reason that men are so half-hearted in seeking Christ? Why are they so soon deterred and checked and discouraged in drawing near to God? The answer is short and simple. They do not feel sufficient their own sins. They are not thoroughly convinced of the plague of their own hearts and the disease of their own souls. Once let a man see his own guilt, as it really is, and he will never rest until he has found pardon and peace in Christ. It is they who, like Bartimaeus, really know their own deplorable condition, who persevere, like Bartimaeus, and are finally healed. In the last place, we have, in these verses, an example of the constraining influence which gratitude to Christ ought to have upon our souls. Bartimaeus did not return home as soon as he was restored to sight. He would not leave him from whom he had received such mercy. At once he devoted the new powers which his cure gave him to the son of David who had worked the cure. His history concludes with the touching expression, He followed Jesus in the way. Let us see in these simple words a lively emblem of the effect that the grace of Christ ought to have on everyone who tastes it. It ought to make him a follower of Jesus in his life and to draw him with mighty power into the way of holiness. Freely pardoned, he ought to give himself freely and willingly to Christ's service. Bought at so mighty a price as the blood of Christ, he ought to devote himself heartily and thoroughly to him who redeemed him. Grace really experienced will make a man feel daily, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits? It did so for the Apostle Paul. He says, The love of Christ constrains us, 2 Corinthians 5.14. It will do so for all true Christians at the present day. 
The man who boasts of having a saving interest in Christ while he does not follow Christ in his life is a miserable self-deceiver and is ruining his own soul. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they, and only they, are the sons of God. Romans 8.14 Have we had our eyes opened by the Spirit of God? Have we yet been taught to see sin and Christ and holiness in heaven in their true light? Can we say, One thing I know, and whereas I was blind, but now I see? If so, we shall know the things of which we have been reading by experience. If not, we are yet on the broad way that leads to destruction and have everything to learn. That is the end of Rao's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory. In considering what we have just heard, would you prayerfully ask yourself and others the following questions? First, do we ask for faith like that of this blind man who believed even though he had not seen? Does this not encourage us to cry out to Jesus Christ for mercy, knowing that he hasn't changed? Second, do we know the plague of sin in our souls and how we found rest in no one less than Jesus Christ and his blood and perfect righteousness? And third, has the gospel of grace, free pardon for our sins, drawn our hearts to treasure Jesus above all and freely give ourselves to his service? Or are we self-deceived, still walking on the broad path, not following our Lord willingly?